pray with me. Holy God, your word is a light in the darkness and a source of blessing. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Enliven our hearts and minds as we hear your word for us today. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our first reading today comes from Proverbs 25, verses 6 to 7. Don't exalt yourself in the presence of the king or stand in the place of important people because it is better that he say to you, come up here than to be demoted before the ruler. Holy wisdom, holy God, thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this morning comes from Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 through 14. Listen for God's word to you today. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited you both will come to you and say, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, Go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, Friend, move up here to a better seat. And then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, lame, and blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. The Gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Inviting God, laying open your table to the deviant and deranged, setting a place for the foreign and unwanted, overturn our tables of power and teach us to receive bread from strange and wounded hands. Through Jesus Christ, the one given for all, Amen. For four years in high school, I managed to not eat a single meal in our high school cafeteria. I like to think that I set a record, that there is a plaque 
in the uh, south wing cafeteria that says, this is the place where Joel Esla never ate for four years. For the first two years, uh, freshman and sophomore year, I just took an extra class instead of a lunch period, and my choir teacher let me out about 10 minutes early to gobble down some food uh, before the next class began. My junior and senior year, I was allowed to leave campus, and so I did every single day. I'd go home uh, instead of facing that cafeteria because there I felt safe and welcomed. For four years, I did anything that I could to avoid the pain of exclusion. I don't think that's a unique story. I think we've all had experiences in our life where we just do what we can to survive, to get along without having to experience the pain of being unwelcomed. I bet you've all had that feeling of being in a crowded place, perhaps a restaurant or whatever, cafeteria, and and people are jostling for seats. Imagine a pre-COVID world, right? Jostling for seats, and you're not sure. You're looking for a friend that you thought you were going to meet here, but you don't see them. And then before you see them, you hear that voice calling your name. You go, oh, fine, that that person I'm here, they've, they've been waiting for me, and they've got a seat reserved just for me. You know that feeling, right? That, that, that feeling is a little taste of heaven. And I bet you've known the opposite of that feeling as well, right? To be ignored or excluded. Uh, that's a little taste of hell is what that is. You see, heaven and hell, these are not um, far off places. They are closer than we think. It's not about golden streets and fiery pits in the afterlife. It's about belonging and exclusion right here and right now, about having a safe place to eat, to be welcomed, just as you are. This year, as we've been walking through Luke's Gospel, we've been using this metaphor, you're probably tired of it by now, of the big table. And some weeks you probably thought, you know, that really works better than others. Yeah, that's true. There are some weeks it works better than others. But the reason we've been using it is because in Luke, Jesus is constantly eating. Uh, He's either feeding people or he's being fed. He's either at parties or he's telling stories about people at parties with feasts. And in every single situation, he is upending our notions of who belongs at the table and who does not. And he's continually breaking down the barriers that exclude until all of us find that we have a special seat reserved just for us. Well, in today's reading, Jesus is eating a Sabbath meal in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And Luke says they were watching him closely. And whenever Jesus has an encounter with the Pharisees, More often than not, not always, but more often than not, he is criticizing or challenging them. And that can cause us into this kind of knee-jerk reaction of thinking of the Pharisees as the bad guys. But they are not. Uh, You see, the Pharisees were a people's-led movement. It actually wasn't a movement of elites. It was a people's-led movement that sought to reconcile Israel to God by obedience to Torah. And 2,000 years ago, at the time of Christ, it was a really chaotic and, and scary time for the people of Israel. And there were these different ideas about how to restore Israel to its proper relationship with God. You had the, the Pharisee strategy and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the Zealots. But after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, it's Pharisaical Judaism 
that leads to modern-day Judaism that we know now. And so for us in our time to think of Pharisees as bad guys, it's one step away from thinking of modern-day Jews as bad guys and thus contributing to anti-Semitism in our time. And so our Jewish friends have made this clear over and over again when Christians continually refer to Pharisees negatively that they don't appreciate it. And another reason of thinking of Pharisees as bad guys is problematic is because Jesus himself, most likely a Pharisee. And that might seem strange to you or shocking to you, but it explains a lot of what's going on in the Gospels. It's why Jesus is constantly in the synagogues. The synagogues were led by the Pharisees. It's why he's constantly out to dinner with the Pharisees. This is the third time in Luke's Gospel that he's having a meal at a Pharisee's home. And, and it explains why the conflict can get so heated. Because our sharpest disagreements are usually with the people that we are closest to, often over the dinner table. And so here's Jesus at dinner with the Pharisee, and he proceeds to give a lecture on table manners. Sure, it wasn't awkward for anyone there at all. And he just notices, right? You're all, all y'all are like jockeying for the best seat at the table. And so Jesus recommends a George Costanza move to do the opposite. Right? Better to take the place of least honor and be moved up than to overstep your place and have to be taken down a notch. And so Jesus is echoing the wisdom of the Proverbs that we heard a moment ago, which says much the same thing. But then Jesus adds his own proverb, writes his own. He says, all who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Well, now... As you hear that proverb, you might think, oh, that sounds a little bit like the Magnificat, like Mary's song back in Luke chapter 1, which proclaims that God is right now about this great reversal in the world where those who are on top are going to be brought low and those who are on the bottom will be lifted up until there is this beautiful equality where all of us are on the same level, equally loved, cared for, dignified. Now imagine being the host at this party or a guest at the party and hearing Jesus say this to you all. How would you feel? We'd be like, you know what, that's a good point. Or would you think that he was directly or indirectly shaming you? I think that's how I would interpret it. And then I would immediately go into defensive mode. I'd find some justification for why, you know, where I'm sitting is actually just fine. And, and everyone else here, they're doing it way worse than me. And really, by telling the story, it's Jesus who's lifting himself up above the others. So maybe actually he's the proud one. You ever think of that, Jesus? Did you? Uh, do you see how quickly the ego can create a story to defend itself? See, I hate the feeling of shame. I hate it. That deep sense that I'm wrong that I'm wicked, and I am nothing if not the good guy in my own story. And so if it's even suggested that I might not be anything other than the good guy all the time, then my ego goes into attack mode. 
And that's why we don't like identifying with the Pharisees in the Gospels. Right? We want to identify with those that Jesus heals, those that he includes, but not those that he criticizes or challenges. But the truth is we need Jesus to do both. Because even Jesus' criticism, if we receive it, it heals us. Because here's the truth. We are each fundamentally beloved of God. And nothing changes that. No amount of sin, no pride or puffing up of oneself undoes this basic truth of who you are. You are God's beloved. Full stop. No asterisk. (laughs) You are already invited to the table. But we don't believe that, do we? We've we've heard it before. "Ah, I heard that last week. We go out into the world and in the world we know we got to hustle if we're going to get ahead, right? You got to hustle if you're going to be recognized as someone who really matters. And so we jockey and we compete to prove our worth, to get a better seat, to move ahead. And that's just the world that we live in. Like it or not, Jesus, this is the game that we all play. And Jesus is suggesting that we play a different game. Because in the end, everyone loses in this game. And in in doing this, Jesus isn't shaming us. He's not wagging his finger and saying, get your act together. Be more inclusive. No, Jesus is inviting us to see that none of us are well until all of us are well. And so that's why he says, you know, next time you do this, like, don't invite your friends, your wealthy neighbors. Instead, welcome the people who can't pay you back. See, this isn't shame. This, this isn't like a, a moral tale on how to be more inclusive. He's inviting us to a unitive awareness wherein we see ourselves in the very people that we exclude, either intentionally or unintentionally. Because the world tells us, you know, there really are people that you can live without. And most of us believe that, right? I mean, be honest. There's people you just rather not deal with. And though you may not say it, there's people you wish just weren't even here. How many of us have given the the power of Thanos, would just snap our fingers and do away with a portion of the world's population? And even if you wouldn't do that, I bet you'd think about it, right? Consider it. Give it some thought. I would. And God wouldn't. That's one of the many differences between God and me. Because there's no one that God can do without. That's what grace means. And that's why we don't understand it. We live in this world that if you want to get ahead, then you need to hustle and prove yourself worthy. You've got to work harder than the other person. And that's the story we've been taught. And we've been told, hey, this is actually a really good story. And Jesus is here to tell us it isn't. Because if this story is true, then <laughs> what that means is that if you don't get ahead, well, then you just must be an abject failure. You, you just must be something wrong with you, right? And it's even worse if you actually do get ahead. 
Because then you feel entitled to look down on other people who you just say, oh, they, they didn't work as hard as I did. And this story, it puts this high moral distance between us and others. We're either in a position of looking down on other people, looking down on ourselves, or probably both at the same time. It's a terrible story and leaves us isolated and alone. And God is inviting us to a better story where everyone is worthy and everyone belongs. Jesus invites us to rethink what it means to belong, to continually break down the barriers that exclude, to find that we each have a VIP seat waiting for us. And I've heard over the past year and a half, many of you tell your story about how you found your way to this church and how when you did, actually not all of you tell the story, many of you do, that you felt so welcomed when you came here, which is wonderful. Glad for that. But what about those who haven't yet been invited? Those who've been left out on purpose or by accident, both in our church and in our community? What barriers still need to be broken down so that those who've been excluded might find that they belong? We've actually been waiting for you to come and saving a seat just for you to bring a little bit of heaven to someone's hell. Here's the good news. You do belong at God's table. Not because of what you've done, or how hard you've worked, or because of what you've left undone, or how you failed. You don't need to change a thing about yourself because you are a VIP at God's table. And so are those that if you could snap your fingers and have them go away, <laughs> they're VIPs too. They belong just as you do. If that somehow feels like criticism, then know that that is a criticism that has the power to heal you. There is no one that God can do without. Not you, not me, not anyone. Thanks be to God. As we go to God in prayer... Sometimes I find singing my prayers to be a little bit easier than speaking them. So, there's a song, Take, O Take Me As I Am. And the words go, Take, O Take Me As I Am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. You can join in when you learn it. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me.
Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Loving God, you call us, invite us, and welcome us to bring our prayers to you for our sakes, for the sake of our world. And this morning we pray for the mission of your church, that we might be a place of welcome for all who've been excluded, that your grace might comfort us, challenge us, and heal us that we might be a safe place, a belonging for all. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. We pray for this world in such need of your counsel, of your grace, of your guidance. We pray for peace in Ukraine, for an end to COVID, for a renewed commitment to the common good of all people, regardless of where they were born, what they look like, or who they love. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. We pray today for all who are suffering those who are sick and scared, those who are alone and need the healing power of your presence. We pray this morning for Sheila, for Dave, that you might grant them courage and strength for the road ahead. We pray for Linda as she faces surgery this week. For all that we carry with us who need your loving presence whom we lift before you now. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. We pray for your creation, for this world as it longs for its redemption. Lord, teach us to live as faithful stewards. And we pray for the dying and those who died. May they rest in your eternal glory. And may you comfort our hearts as we grieve their loss. 
Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. All these things we pray in the name of the one who crossed every barrier that we might find our way back to you. Even Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Amen.